Welcome to the Vet Voice Foundation podcast, where we interview veterans employed or advocating within the conservation and public land space. I am your host, Kate Hoyt. Today, we're interviewing Christopher Bramblett, Air Force veteran turned park ranger, where we discuss deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan, exploring Carlsbad Caverns National Park, and how you too can get back to our public lands. Christopher Bramblett, I go by Chris, and I am a park ranger at Gulf Islands National Seashore in Mississippi. Uh, I've been here for just over four years, but I've been with the Park Service, God, Jesus, coming up on six in September. So, Talk about your life growing up, and why did you decide to join the Air Force? So, Growing up, I grew up in the upstate of South Carolina. My grandfather was a huge influence on me growing up in rural Northeast Georgia, uh, really big on outdoors and conservationism. And growing up, like did Boy Scouts camping all the time, went hiking all the time. A lot of you know, just a big outdoor life. And my initial plan was to go to college and be a fighter pilot. Concentration in school had different plans for me. Uh, so basically, I enlisted. Actually, uh, if I was still in, I'd be getting ready to retire. So, but yeah, I went in uh, security forces. Those that don't know, that's like military police, basically. And my grandpa was a big influence on that also because he was actually in the army during World War II. And my mom was in the Air Force. Thinking, okay, I'll get the best of both worlds. Kind of how I ended up in the military. How long did you serve? Uh, ten and a half years. Okay, I want to actually circle back to your grandpa. So, because he seems like he had a big influence on your life growing up. Do you have a favorite memory with him with the outdoors? Is there a special time you guys went camping or anything that really sticks out in your memory? One of the most interesting things, I guess, is we were... Oh God, I don't even remember how old I was. I was probably like maybe eight, nine. And we were in our front yard... And there was a hurt robin that fell out of a tree or something. And my grandpa went over and picked it up. And he was able to nurse it back to health. So, that you know, that's one of the ones that stands out the most. Me and my uncles and him, we all went camping right before a family reunion uh, for the weekend. And that was, a, that was a pretty memorable experience. Had a good time hiking and went around to all the old family locations from when my grandpa was a kid and talked about like how he grew up and, and everything. So, you know, just, just in general, just having those types of experiences probably all kind of stick out. It's really sweet. My grandfather was in Battle of the Bulge and he passed away when I was pretty young, probably eight or 10. So I don't have too many memories with him, but he would never talk about his service and he would only say it was really cold. And when they were in France, they would steal sheets off of like the lines in the backyards to cover themselves up. And that's the only thing he ever told me about his service. You know, my, my grandpa was really humble about it too. He, he never went overseas and he actually like always told us that he didn't really do his part because he didn't go to Europe. He didn't go to South Asia, the South Pacific or anything. But he he actually had a really interesting and to me, a, a highly important job. He worked on the presidential detail at FDR's home in Hyde Park, New York. Yeah, and it's just like, you, you were guarding the president of the United States. 
how is that not an important job? But I mean, you know, he's kind of like your grandpa. He's he's just really humble, really quiet about it. So talk a little bit about, you mentioned your MOS earlier, but can you talk a little bit about that and any of your deployments? So security forces, uh, it's basically your military police for a lot of it, but then you also do air-based defense tactics, like where you're doing perimeter security, doing flight line work where you're guarding the aircraft on the, on bases and stuff. And But overseas, you know, we, we kind of joked around and called ourselves the infantry of the Air Force because a lot of times, like in Iraq and Afghanistan, we didn't really do cop work. We did grunt work. So, like when I was in Iraq, uh, I went over some 2003. Uh, so, right after everything kicked off, and I was on a heavy weapons team. So, my job was to sit behind a 50 cal and go outside the wire every day. And we had this five kilometer radius to patrol around the base, and nobody was trying to shoot down our planes coming in. So, yeah, and we worked with the 173rd Airborne guys, we worked with a couple other army units while we were over there. In Afghanistan, you know, we, we took over from the 101st Airborne doing Bagram security, working ECPs, working the, the perimeter, doing, you know, outside the wire patrols for some of the guys there. Your background in the security forces, was that a pathway to becoming a park ranger? Not, not really, no, uh, because I'm actually not a law enforcement park ranger. Oh, wait, can you explain the difference? Yeah, uh, so there's there's actually a lot of different types of park rangers. So you have you have your law enforcement guys, the guys that are basically like cops. They carry guns. They drive around in patrol cars. They write tickets. They arrest people for doing stupid stuff. They but they also do search and rescue. Then you have your your fees rangers, where if you go up to like the Grand Canyon or you know one of the big parks or something, Yosemite, and you roll up to that toll booth right at the entrance of the park. Those are your fuse rangers that collect the money. And then what I do is I'm, I'm what's considered an interpretive ranger. So I actually educate people about the park I work at and tell them why it's, it's important and what makes it special and so people can understand it better. So it's, it's a whole different path than where I was in the military. Can you take us through just an average day or a couple of days of your life as a park ranger? So when we get to work, for my, my particular job as an interpretive ranger, you get to work, uh, we get the visitor center opened up, make sure that all the exhibits are in good condition, get our outlines ready for our program for that day, whether it's uh, you know a guided nature hike, a bird watching program, kayaking. If we're out at the barrier island with fort, we do get our fort tours ready. And then we do our, our program, whatever it might be, where we take people around and teach people about the park and the resources and understanding stories behind it. Depending on how many of those you have to do a day, if you have them scheduled out. And then the rest of the day, you're just helping answer questions, you're answering phone calls, you're handing out junior ranger books to kids to help them understand the park a little better. And obviously there's, you know, the, the mundane administrative tasks that we have to do too, like checking email and going to meetings and, you know, writing papers and doing statistics for the day and things like that. But that's, that's typically what a, a normal day would be for my line of work. You know, rangers in their specific career field would have to explain theirs. But overall, it's being there for the public. And, and do you, is it like a typical nine to five where you in early, out early, or does it vary? It depends on the season. Uh, so, But typically it's banker hours. But, you know, we do work weekends and holidays. 
So it also depends on the park. When I was out in New Mexico, there would be days where I wouldn't get out of work until midnight. And it's because we had evening programs that happened after the sun went. So like night hikes where you take telescopes out and teach people about the night sky. Wildlife hikes where you're actually out, you know, talking to people about nocturnal wildlife. Most of the time, it's a typical kind of banker hour nine to five job. But yeah, there are those outliers. You do have to do special events and you have longer hours or you have to come in later to stay for those evening and nighttime programs. So So you get to the hiring process and you're hired on. What is the training like? It's all on the job training. So you get hired on. Then you go, you go to the park that you're assigned to work at. And then depending on the, the level of duties that you have and depending on the complexity of that location, it depends on how long that, that training session lasts in the first few weeks that you're at that park. Now, the law enforcement guys, though, they have a whole different process. They get hired on and then they go through this like, field training system to actually be able to carry a weapon and get their commission and all this other stuff. And then... A few months, maybe a year or so down the road, they actually end up in Savannah at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center where like your FBI guys go and your Homeland Security guys and like all this other stuff. All these guys go through Fletzy. So they are actually commissioned federal law enforcement officers, just like an FBI agent or a U.S. Marshal or something like that. So you decide to get out of the military after 10 and a half years. And where do you end up? Do you go back home? What is like? Yeah. What does civilian life look like for you? Do you find it challenging? Do you find yourself turning to the outdoors more? I, I totally wasn't prepared to get out. <laughs> I, I mean, just to be blunt, like I got back from Afghanistan, and you know, it, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know what, I'm I'm just done. I just I the Air Force, the military, the way that the ops tempo is going, and everything. I just don't want to do this anymore. So. I actually opted to get out a few months prior to my enlistment was up and I, I was not prepared for it. I moved back in with my parents. I was unemployed for a few months. I was still, you know, trying to get my VA benefits rolling, had a hard time finding work. And then i I found a, a minimum wage job working at Target. And once my VA stuff went through, you know, I was looking into getting into school so I could get my degree finished up and use my GI bill and everything. And just, Nothing seemed to be going the way I expected it would go. And so, you know, I, I wasn't able to, to get out and do things that I wanted to do. I wasn't able to really do anything that I had planned I was going to do. And so, I, you know, I, I fell into this, like, really bad state of depression. And I was drinking. Um, really, the only thing good that came out of me working for Target is I met my wife. So I moved to Charleston, moved in with my now wife, and I started volunteering with Fort Sumter National Monument in Charleston uh, just one day a week while I was going to school. And it, it gave me a sense of purpose. You know, it, it gave me something to look forward to all the time. And I knew I wanted to be either a U.S. history teacher in high school or a park ranger. And then I was like, you know what? I really don't want to be a history teacher because the, the bureaucracy with schools right now is just ridiculous. So I was like, okay, let's, let's go the park ranger route. Volunteer supervisor at the park, she's like, hey, why don't you apply for an internship? So I did, and I, I got the internship, and it was a 40-hour-a-week paid internship at Fort Sumter. 
And then I was doing that for a little while and she's like, you know, you're really good at this. Why don't you start applying for actual jobs? And so I did. And I ended up in New Mexico at Carlsbad Caverns National Park. Okay, off topic, but me really happy. Just like on a personal note, like I came home from Iraq and I was a photojournalist overseas. Like I had a really good group of friends. Um, I felt like I had a sense of purpose. And then you come home and you're like, wow, like what do I do with myself now? Do I go back to like waiting tables? I worked at a local news station from like 3, 2.30 in the morning to like 9 a.m. And then I was in school full time. And it was just like, it was a mess. And it took me a long time to kind of find my, to find my groove and get back on my feet. So it kind of sounds like you had that uh, same experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. It took me, God, let's see. I got out in 2000, February, 2011. So it took me till March of 2014. See, I feel, and I feel like that's such a typical transition for folks that it doesn't matter MOS. It doesn't matter if you, you know, saw combat every single day. Like I just feel like the camaraderie and the sense of purpose and feeling like you're making a difference really just impacts impacts you as a person and you grow and you change and you just come home and it's like, wow, like what's, what's next? Yeah. So I was talking a little bit about the camaraderie. So you end up getting this job and how is it going? Are you happy? Are you, are you back to feeling like, you know, Chris in the air force when he had a sense of purpose? I've had some ups and downs. I mean, it's, it's with, you know, it's life. So life happens. When I was out in, out in New Mexico, it was it was awesome. I loved it. I was out in Carlsbad for a year and a half, and we would take people on tours of the caves. I don't know if you've ever been to Carlsbad Caverns or if anybody listening has, but it's huge. It's a huge park. It's a huge cave system, and there's tons to explore. There's hiking trails all over the surface area. There's trails that we take people on down in the caves. So, you know, I had a, basically it was a high ops tempo that I was dealing with because you were always on the go, always moving, always doing something. And so you didn't really have a lot of downtime to just kind of be like, eh, what do I do now? And then when I, I got here to my job in Mississippi, it was it was a little bit different pace because we were what's considered a seasonal park. So like our, our big draw during the summer months is the barrier islands off the coast. And we would take people out there on ferry boats and do tours of the fort and people would hang out on the beach. And there's a historic civil war fort on, on one of the islands. And so like during the winter months, you're just kind of like, okay, so this is my time to try to work on some behind the scenes stuff. This is my time to get some training out of the way so maybe I can advance my career. So it was it was a good mixed bag where I could have that high ops tempo energy during the summer months and then in the winter months it kind of slowed down where I could concentrate on my, my professional development. And it's It's gotten me to a point where now I'm starting to look for the next big thing. I'm like, okay, where's the next park I'm going to head to? Is this going to lead to a promotion? Things like that. So, And every park's a little different. So, you know, just depends on what the, the resource is and what the, the job is there, what the mission is there. And you just kind of got to roll with it. Uh, but the camaraderie, I mean, I think last I checked, out of the 85 employees that we have at this park, the 85 rangers and non-uniformed employees that we have at this park, 67 what? of them are veterans. Yeah. I mean, I think that's amazing. So how does that feel? Like, I feel like I get so excited to go to work every day and be outdoors with folks who just have a different kind of mindset. It's 
continuing the mission is basically what it is. It's like you, you have all these veterans, what is it, something like two point something million veterans that have served since 9-11. You have all these veterans that are out there protecting this, this amazing country. And there's so much of this country that people don't appreciate or explore, including veterans. And it's like, why not get out and enjoy your national parks and your public lands and experience what you're going to battle for? Because yeah, it's it's for your neighbor, it's for your family, but it's also for the future. Because all these amazing parks are set aside for everybody to enjoy for all time. So why not go out and check them out? I kind of have like a question building off of that. I know some folks find the parks or the outdoors intimidating and they just aren't sure where to start. Any advice for folks who are like, okay, I want to get outdoors with my family and go camping for my first time, but literally how do I do that? Or, hey, I want to go on a hike and just, you know, take a knee and get some time to myself. Because I know I personally, like growing up, my family was not an outdoorsy family at all. And my first real experience camping was in the army in boot camp. And I, it was like winter, it was freezing, I hated it. But I've grown to fall in lovers. But it took me 18 years of my life to really get outside and experience. The easiest thing that I can tell people is, you know, if, if you're looking to get in some type of outdoor activity is just find a green space in your community. Whether it's a park, a trail, a bike path, a disc golf course, just find some green space and just Go out and get some fresh air. And if you like it, then step it up. Start looking into websites that will help you out enjoy camping. There's tons of apps out there that will help you out with information on camping and hiking. There's obviously the National Park Service's main website. That way you can find the, the national parks that are literally in your backyard. There's 419 national parks. That is at least one part in every 50 state and every major outlying territory in America, including American Samoa. So there's a park nearby. You just got to find it. And, you know, a lot of parks are kind of having some issues right now because of COVID and everything. So a lot of your visitor centers might be closed. A lot of your facilities at the park might be closed. But if they're open, just walk in, talk to a ranger, be like, hey, how do I do this? How do I, how do I explore the outdoors? How do I get involved? And they'll be happy to help you out. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where we do this as a passion because we, we love the outdoors. We love the, the natural ecosystems that are included in parks, the history of America that these parks tell. And so whether it's you're exploring Independence Hall in downtown Philadelphia or you're going to Yosemite National Park in California, you're experiencing something that the majority of the world doesn't get to experience because these parks were designed and built for the American people. Where if you go to Europe or some of these other countries outside of the US, they don't have that. They don't have these vast swaths of land that were set aside for the people and not for some lord or some king or something like that. The, the best thing I can say is just, just get out and do it. Got it. I have a couple more questions. Um... I feel like our parks, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, are seeing just an influx of visitors lately. The biggest thing is practice what's called leave no trace. You leave something just as good or better than you found it. So if you're camping, take your trash with you. If you're walking down the trail and there's a piece of trash on the ground, pick it up. 
and you know just just things like that ask about volunteer opportunities because that's something huge that you can do that help us out in the long run as rangers volunteering actually gives us that added manpower so that we can deal with this huge influx of visitors last year the park service as a whole broke a record for visitation golden gate national recreation area and san fran and great smokies were the top two visited parks in america with over six million visitors so they get they get crowded carpool you know if if like you know you and some buddies are, are planning on going out to a park, meet at a central location and carpool out there because that really that reduces the amount of traffic on the road to these parks to actually get out there. I mean, there's just so much that you can do. It's just an endless list that I can just sit here for hours and talk about what people can do to protect these places. But the simple thing is, is just remember that they belong to you. These parks, these public lands, they belong to the people of this country. So that means every taxpayer in this country has ownership and stake in these places, which means that you have the obligation as a taxpayer to help out because they belong to you. Circle back again, you hit on a big thing about, you know, veterans kind of being attracted to these jobs and wanting to carry on their service by protecting or honoring these public links. Why do you think that's a common theme? Everybody that I've talked to that's a veteran that's in this line of work, they all have kind of that sense of continuing the mission where they, they want to feel like they have a purpose. They want to feel like they're doing something productive. They're doing something worthwhile. And so a lot of times these vets, they get into these jobs in public lands. And, you know, public lands isn't just on the big national federal level. You know, you, you got state parks, you got county parks, city parks that veterans work at too. And so it doesn't have to be this huge, I'm going to be a national park ranger thing. But just getting out there and just having that sense of purpose, that sense of mission-oriented job where you're doing something that is worthwhile and that's going to give you these satisfaction, I guess would be the best word, of giving back. I feel like folks listening to this will get inspired to maybe try to get a job like you have. What is the best way of going about that? Is it just going to USA Jobs, applying, getting an internship, or going to talk to somebody at a national park? Well, it, it depends. So a lot of jobs, depending on the, the path you want to go into, require a four-year degree. So that, that helps. For the vets out there, there's a point system that you that'll kind of help you bump up to the top of the list. It doesn't guarantee you're going to get a job. If you're applying for a job on USA Jobs, make sure that you include your civil service preference letter that you can get from the VA website. Make sure that you have the right type of resume on there because these guys that do the hiring, they don't understand military jargon. And that's one of the hardest things for veterans to overcome is translating their military skill sets into civilian terminology. So that's huge. And volunteering, internships, those are good paths because they also give you the experience that people are looking for to do the job. You know, being in the military, you give and give and give, but sometimes you don't necessarily understand or see the results. But like for me, when I'm standing in a visitor center or on a trail or I'm kayaking with some of these visitors that come out to the parks and I'm teaching them about it. And if they walk away from that interaction, learning one thing, 
and retaining one piece of information that I gave them, then I've done my job and I have accomplished my mission for that day. And then I do it again the next day. And the more you do that, the more you get people to understand. And then the more they help actually talk about them and lobby and volunteer help protect these places because you know it's it's not necessarily up to the rangers to always protect these places it's up to everybody and being a veteran having that sense of purpose and mission and able to share that with the people that come to enjoy these places is probably the biggest and most rewarding thing that that i can do as a park ranger and as a veteran and as an american so it's just there's so much to understand and there's so much to to help guide people towards filling my shoes when i retire basically so if i can teach a little five-year-old kid that wetlands in south mississippi and barrier islands off the coast are important because of xyz then maybe i just encouraged that kid to go and get a degree in marine biology and be a park ranger and fill my shoes 15 20 years down the road If you want to learn more about exploring and volunteering in our national parks, visit nps.gov backslash get involved. This is a Vet Voice Foundation production. Our producer is Allison Bailey, and I'm your host, Kate Hoyt.